Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and it's a great privilege to be able to reach out to my congregation today on this chilly morning in Dallas, as well as to say hi and extend greetings to all of our Saints Network family who may be joining in this study of the Word from so many places around the world. It really is amazing to consider what God is doing among and through us as saints. And I simply pray and invite your agreement that we will be able to hear what God is saying and that we will have the courage and the boldness to obediently pursue. One of the things that we were privileged to talk about yesterday on the 15th of November on Saints Radio was the aspect of where the many times the scripture particularly Jesus said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's, it's important to hear, a cool, what the Spirit is, it's, it's important to allow your ear to hear. But then what the Spirit of God says is Lego. And that says, saith is Lego, which really does indicate that we've got to not only do something about what we hear, but it's going to be a concise application of uh, a point of structure in God's eternal plan, because that's what Lego really means. It's, uh, it's an ongoing structural input of the original logos and you know again I mean I'm not trying to one of the things that used to be a joke it probably still is in seminary people would say well it's all Greek to me in church they would say that and you were always told not to be speaking about Greek words in in your sermons because you'll lose the people and I'm not glorifying the Greek, New Testament Greek language. I am not. But that kind of indicated that the church was either too lazy or too uninformed to be willing to grasp what God originally said in his word. And that's kind of insulting. That, that really is kind of insulting. But yet, churches, I understand often don't want to be challenged. They want their ears scratched. They want to be told things that entertain or, you know, are, um, are specifically applicable to what they're going through right then. And if you lived your life, just in, maybe some of you do, God help you, just always responding and reacting to the things around you, and that's all you did, you would end up with nothing. You, you wouldn't advance 
you wouldn't grow. You wouldn't have any kind of wealth in any way. I'm not just talking about financially at your disposal. You would just be a consumer. And that's the way most of the church is. And it's frustrating. So Jesus says, whoever has an ear, hear. Well, that sounds simple enough. But what do you hear? What the Spirit says. What the Spirit is saying is not, oh, you poor thing. Let me tell you how much God loves you. Let me tell you he has an answer for everything that's in your life. Well, God is a great comfort to us. But saith there, and you can look it up for yourself, has to do with the ongoing structure of the kingdom. If your ear is hearing anything other than that, maybe you're either not hearing properly or you are only hearing what you want to hear. So we talked about that yesterday and it, it was in the context of the wonderful uh, presence of the Lord that made himself known in our Sunday morning service this past week and the message that God gave us from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, God gave this message before we had any kind of uh, encounter in the service. So this was a follow-up. It was something that the Spirit said, this is what I want you to talk about. But that scripture, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries. Great and effectual are megas and energetic or active. We talked about how doors are openings that the Lord gives, but they're, they are uh, dependent upon you being faithful as a gatekeeper and somebody who would stand in the gap, somebody who would fulfill the, the, the parets of standing in the gap so that the breakthrough would happen. And if you don't secure the gap, doors will, the doors of commerce and commune and function will never be adequately a part of who you are. We have studied this. We have written about this. We have taught this over and over and over again. But the fact that a megas door or something that's going to impact your community, your nation, whatever your locale is, uh, that it's that kind of door, you, you have to be functioning as a gatekeeper. And, and you can see that there's an effectual nature to it. There's energy. God is stirring something. And so we talked about that. And, but we, we also saw that in this verse, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, the adversaries are those against, that go against anti-Kami, that goes against your Kami assignment. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just rehashing the message. I'm just laying the groundwork for what the Lord is saying to us on this Wednesday. Kami was one of the first aspects of saintly identity that God gave us many, many years ago. And we 
we compared it with the Old Testament uh, variation of it. Variation's not a good word. The Old Testament instance of the same concept, which was sum, S-U-W-M in our transliteration. The Kami, K-E-I-M-A-I, speaks about you being willing to accept where God has placed you, which kind of goes along with the, the gates and kind of goes along with the door and kind of goes along with the gap. All of those play in to your being willing to accept what God has called you to do, where he's called you to do it. That's a big thing for us because if we're not willing to accept his assignment, his assignment, if we only do it arguably in our own thinking as a, as a willingness to grow in the ladder of promotion, we're wrong. We've got to be willing to serve the Lord simply because that's what he's called us to do. And I, I know that that's difficult for a lot of people. They don't want to accept responsibility for anything. Well, they want the visitation. They want the door. They want the angelic. They want the excitement. They want the power. They don't want the authority and the responsibility. Well, the responsibility they don't want. They want authority without responsibility. I know this because I've been in this for a long time in leadership. I've seen people. I've heard people gripe and complain. Well, you know... Uh, I, God told me I have to do this. And that, that's an underlying that I don't really want to do it. I don't want to be doing this. But I'm doing it as a suffering servant. I have to obey. And the enemy's always peppering them. Why aren't you the leader? Why aren't you this? Why aren't you that? Oh, the enemy's been after me all week. I, you, I just ha- I Why? Why is he after you? Well, first of all, he doesn't want you doing your job, but he keeps coming with the same strategy because you have made yourself vulnerable in that way. So, KMI was something we began to talk about very early on. I think I should have noted this, the, the, chrono- the chronology of it, but I suspect that it went kind of this way. We, we were drawn to pray and to intercede. We learned about the various dimensions of diversities of tongues God was allowing us to flow in. And we learned about laying on our face before God, which is the major measure of worship in the New Testament. It's not whether you can play in G or E or you can sing in B flat and transition to another key and you can write some killer songs and the people just swoon when you lead and you like being up there with a mic. Worship is on your face before God. It's proscuneo. We went through that process and then we, we, we went along that line. We understood that we were called to be saints, that this 
This was an identification in the New Testament and in the Old that is somewhat distinct. It's part of, but somewhat distinct from the, uh, the general identity. And so, but somewhere there, God talked to us about Kami. And we studied about it. We talked about how the Apostle Paul said things like he was set, came I, for the defense of the gospel. It was an assignment that God had given him. And he was willing to fulfill that. And so in 1 Corinthians 16:9, this still is not our message for today. So just hang in there. Hang in there. In 1 Corinthians 16:9, we see that the thing the enemy attacks is anti-Kami. That his, as he sees God moving, as he sees doors opening, he recognizes that the only reason that's happening is first of all because God has convinced somebody to stand in the gap and pray and be a gatekeeper, somebody who's accepted their assignment, and from that then God can move. Because somebody always pays the price of obedience before God. And so, the enemy recognizes that the way to greatly deter the process, the divine process that God has put in motion, is to try to disengage people from functioning in their KMI assignment. Because if you don't have that, then the doors won't function. We see this in our country today. We see the breakdown of law and order. We see in many cities where the gates were flung open and violence was openly encouraged as if it was a right and entire sections of cities burned or it's a war zone where gangs control things. Show me businesses that will invest in that. Show me where that is. You know, for many years I, I was led at least once a year, I didn't make any fanfare about this, to fly out to the Bay Area in California, in San Francisco, just me, and I would walk all over the city praying in the Spirit. And I saw a lot of things in the Spirit realm. I was looked at by many wicked forces and many individuals who were serving these forces as rulers of the darkness of the world. And I would go out there and I, I would stay wherever it was a safe but the cheapest place to stay. And I did this. I did this. I see what's happened to that city since then. So either I didn't do a very good job or the Lord was letting me see what was being put in motion. But my point is that things have become so bad out there that uh, like the Walgreens drugstores, 
that I would go into because you could go in there and you could buy a Metro Pass very cheaply and ride either the cable cars or the buses or the, the, uh, the BART uh, subway systems. You could ride them very cheaply with one of those passes. So I knew where these stores were. Plus if I needed something, if I needed a bottle of water, whatever. Most of those stores are closed now. You can look it up. Why? Because law and order broke down. People were able to go into the store and just shop list. As long as they didn't take over $1,000 worth, police wouldn't do anything. They'd just go in, grab stuff, and go out. And because of that, Walgreens said, we can't, we can't survive here financially. This is, we've, we're closing. We're shuttering our doors. This is downtown San Francisco, one of the most beautiful natural cities you'll encounter anywhere in the world. Um, I, I've seen things in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I used to have some dear friends from college who was, were from there. And I saw, well, some of them were from Kenosha. They're pastoring now. Maybe they're retired because none of us are any younger. Um, I'm still as fit as a fiddle, thank God. But, you know, the point, though, is that <laughs> entire city blocks are burned down. Nobody's, nobody's going to invest there because there's, there's no gatekeeper. There's no defense. So you can't have doors. You can't have prosperity if there's no rule of law. Because people, businesses won't invest and people won't put themselves at risk. I, I don't understand how in a capitalistic system we don't understand this principle. And there's such a, an abandonment of principles, of law and order, and of right living and morality. It has nothing to do with any kind of privilege other than the privilege to be wise or the abandonment of that. So the, the idea of a door being open and God saying this door is energized now and it's going to touch the community, this is what Paul was saying. And by community, I don't mean any people group. I mean your area. And so the enemy looks at that and says, how am I going to stop that? He attacks the Kamai. Anti-Kami. Look it up and don't swirl your, don't swoon and cross your eyes and say it's all Greek to me. Pneumatikos people should understand what I'm saying. If, if you are someone who's believed God for a visitation from his spirit and you're doing that obediently, the enemy, the enemy perspective is to stop you because if he stops you, he is going to deter the, the principle, the divine principle. Now, the other factor in that is that he has hated the idea of you partnering with God. Jesus said that the enemy was a man-killer from the beginning, a murderer, man-killer. One who wanted to extinguish God's plan 
for you and me. So that's, that's the onus of it. But from a tactical warfare scenario, the enemy wants to take you out. And there are, Paul said, there are many of these adversaries, many, many avenues. All it takes is one. Sometimes it's a wearing down through many. And if you abandon your post, if you abandon your KMI responsibility, now I'm not saying it stops God because you don't know how many other people God's using, but it certainly stops what your contribution to the process was. And that's what the enemy earmarks. So, still not at the message for the day. You need to evaluate where you are. Have, has something, has anything taken you out of where you're called to serve, what you're called to be doing before the Lord? And no excuses. Oh, you just don't know. Oh, I could go down a list, but then some people with really tender ears will think, oh, he's talking about me. Well, why don't you just channel some of that weeping angst toward the Lord from repentance because I'm going to go on and God, God has many that he's bringing in. I don't want you to be lost, but why don't you just hear what I'm saying and evaluate your own life? If a man uh, would judge himself uh, or a woman would judge themselves, you know, what influences are trying to take you out of what you know God's called you to do? Are those influences winning? Don't give me a bunch of your logismos. I don't want to hear your, oh, but you know, they need me here. They need me there. I'm way out here. I'm the, and, 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 and. I don't want to hear any of that. All I know is that God knows how to fill gaps. You fill a gap. You go AWOL. God is loving, but he will fill that gap. And who wants to be looking from the outside in? I, I mean, that's just, it's just not something that we should accept. So the enemy attacks this, uses many strategies, many adversaries, many direct oppositions to the Kami. It can take many forms. But if we keep our eyes focused on what God has called us to be and specifically where he has assigned us, and we say, this is paramount to me, I don't care what it is that would keep me from being that or deter my ability to do it. Um, it's up to you to, um, to safeguard this. So now we come to the message. So I was doing some study yesterday about, and I, I believe the Spirit was leading me. I know he was. And it was kind of a reflection as to how God has developed or tried to develop us. And as I was studying about Kami, I recognized some things that I had never really recognized. It doesn't take away from what we've studied or anything I've just said. 
But why did God lead us in the pathway he led us in? Why was it so imperative for us to, first of all, accept the assignment? To accept our, our duty in the place where God has set us. That's the beginning point. And as I was studying this, God allowed me to see something uh, that really spoke volumes. And I'm just going to read this from a, uh, a lexicon that I was studying. And I think this is, this is just astounding to me. And then we'll say a few more things about what Kami is because it really describes who you are. Now, the verb Kami means really to... Yes, it means to be established someplace and to accept your responsibilities there. But it is hyperactive. It has intent. It, it, um, I haven't started reading from the lexicon yet. It means like, like in Matthew, um, three, when, <clears throat> when Jesus talked about the, the axe being set at the root of the trees, it uses kami. And, you know, that axe wasn't just casually dropped there by a lumberjack on his way to lunch. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. But it was, it was an assignment at a specific point uh, to strike. Likewise, a city that was set, that is set on a hill, um, is not some little hamlet, some place, some picturesque Swiss mountain town, but rather a fortified citadel from where the king secured his realm and set forth his armies. You are a city set on a hill. Uh, when Jesus' body was laid in the tomb, it wasn't just put there because we want to get this dead body in there before the Sabbath really hits. No, it was specifically laid there, and it was for a miraculous purpose. And you have variations of Kami that speak about, uh, there's a variation that speaks about, um, a. It was, it was used to describe, not describe, but the variation talked about what they called cities. Um, it it was it was an is an interesting word that described um, a place or somebody that was responsible to um, to supervise a um, a vineyard or. Uh, or even the young children of a king, uh, this, this word koiton, or, or, or even keton, was, was, was there. Um, in, in the New Testament, um, it, it uses this word rarely, but it speaks about somebody that was responsible within the household of a king. I think it's just very interesting. Um, but, but, Kami was was a unique. Uh, it was a unique 
active verb. It was a strategic placement. And so we, we need to recognize that this is directed by God. But as here's what I wanted to read. The verb came I is an active measure with intent. And it is regularly utilized in the Greek world with the verb histeme and tetheme. Now, these three were the foundations of Greek society. I never realized that. I never realized that. And be, so you have to have kemi, you have to have histeme, and you have to have tetheme. After kemi, then shortly thereafter, God began to speak to us about tetheme and what that meant with ordination and God sowing his, his seed into us that then should grow. And then in the past couple of years, we openly saw the connection between Tetheme and the thesaurus in heaven from the scripture. And here's another thing that I discovered yesterday. Uh, well, I didn't discover it. God let me see it. Uh, that Tetheme in the original Greek development really came about through the word theos, God, and the original, the, the original usage in the, like in the Iliad, the Odyssey, was Tetheme meant the God who sets. He who sets. Not sits, but sets. So somehow in the the etymological development of New Testament Greek, the idea of tetheme was just directly from God, Theos. And when he, when he commissioned somebody, um, like uh, in, uh, it's, just, it's just really fascinating, in the Iliad, the the uh, the tetheme was used to describe somebody that was going to fulfill the will of the Greek gods in their mythology. And somehow then that would gain them influence in the thesaurus or the storehouses or the wealth base of Olympia where their gods supposedly were living. And I, I know mythology is a takeoff of the demonic. I understand that. I'm not glorifying that. I'm not saying, oh, let's go out and read it and watch Clash of the Titans. But what I am talking about is the development of this language and why the Spirit chose, God's Spirit chose to use this language very carefully, the inerrancy of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture, all it's all God-breathed, why did God use these? So the three pillars of Greek society that really formed the basis of democracy uh, 
and form the basis of what the ecclesia would be are, first of all, the, uh, the kami, that you recognize that you have a responsibility and a calling and you are willing to accept that divine placement and identity. And here am I. Send me. Then God begins to reveal to you what he actually placed in you. And the tetheme of what, who he is. But, but it begins in you taking your place. Responsibility. Now, some would say, well, maybe it should be to Theme first. You know, draw near to me and I will draw near to, to you. I have got to, in order for God to increase, I've got to decrease. You know, we see this over and over again. It begins with you saying, I am here. Like Adam being placed in the garden. He had to be serving there for then God to come down in the Ruach of the day and develop him. So you first take your place, the Kami, and then God begins to commune with you to show you what he really wants to do in you. You grow. The Tetheme is God's spark. It's, it's God's seed that then needs to be developed. You can't develop a seed unless it goes into the ground and die. You've got to establish the ground. And part of that is you've got to plow that ground. If you just throw a seed out on the ground, the parable of the soils tells us that the enemy will come and swoop down and gather it away. So there has to be good soil that's already been earmarked. You have to have that Kami willingness for then the seed of the Tetheme, or God having set this in you. See how that goes? And then it was many years. Now we studied about Histeme. We studied about the, the warfare aspect of histamine, and we studied about that. Because we were engaged in warfare. We we were battling as a good soldier in intercession. And so you had to understand some of those concepts of, of um, what atmospheres and tactics would bring. And so we studied about that. But then I remember the day many, many years after our development was begun, when God's spirit showed us in the Word the connection between the cross of Christ and the Histeme. How the ownership of that. We were faithful in the small things before he began to show us the rulership over the many. Yes, it was through the power of the cross. I understand that. But we had to do these three pillars. We had to accept our responsibility we had to then let God begin to develop what he ordained for us to be. And then, after we showed that, we were faithful in those initial things. And then he said, okay, I'm giving you rulership. Let me show you how, what the cross really means from how my spirit described it. 
and why Jesus had to die on that cross. It was a stake of ownership in the histeme. Isn't that the progression we had? So the three pillars of how God developed us as pneumaticus people were really the three pillars of how Greek society developed and how they believed mankind functioned in the spirit realm, albeit that was a demonic interplay, but there were so many ways that those doctrines of devils in the Greek myths would describe. For instance, being a, uh, a, a demigod, which they would say in their language, where, a, where one of the beings would, would, uh, would come to earth and then a person would represent that being. You know, it's what the enemy was trying to do, but it was really a perversion of what God intended from the beginning. We could go on down the line with this. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Hades, what does that mean? Well, why was that word used? Why did Jesus use that word when he was speaking to Peter? Uh, how, what is the ecclesia? The ecclesia was the gathering throughout the realm of those people who were embracing these three pillars of their society. Because you weren't the called out ones who decided governmentally what was supposed to be done unless you held your place, unless you developed your unique identity and your skill set and you were functional and successful unless you took control of the thing that you had and began to see it multiply and be successful. Those were the people that formed the ecclesia. But the ecclesia was formed because of the kemai, because of the tetheme, and because of the histeme. This is astounding to me. And as so often is the case... The only reason I believe that the Lord is letting us see this now is because you do and then you teach. For instance, if God had said to us right from the beginning, hey, look, if you take a stand right here, what's behind door number one? I'm going to give you all this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to develop you and you're going to be strong and you're going to have access into the heavens, and there's a thesaurus there, which is right beside the place where the, 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 the scrolls of my timetable are. And, you know, you're, you're then going to be given authority and control in the realm. And here, here's, here's how we're going to do it. That would have become the motivation for people. But God's motivation was, will you stand in this gap? Will you, will you pray in this? Will you paga in this Peretz? Will you stand in the gap? I'm searching for one who will stand in the gap. I'm not searching for one who will wield power. I'm not searching for one who will be uh, gold coins flowing out of your tunic because you have so many. That's not what I'm searching for. I'm searching for someone who will stand in the gap ideally, who will Peretz? Because, just because, I asked 
you to. I'm asking for somebody who will accept my setting. I'm asking somebody who will be active for me in this place just because you're obeying me and because I need you there and because I've asked you to be there. That's the beginning. And listen, I was there in 1995 and 1996. I know that's how God began with us. People may not have known it, obviously. There were a lot of people here because there were bells and whistles and explosions and fireworks and all kinds of things. As the former pastor who's since gone on to wherever he is, um, he called it hoopla, but God's spirit was moving. But the objective was not the movement. The objectment the, the objective was upon the placement. Will you stay here no matter what is coming against you, no matter what other options may be there, no matter whether you're tired or whether you're jealous or whether you uh, are being uh, put upon by relatives that don't want you doing this or other people in the church who say, it's not scriptural, it's not scriptural, you know, Will you stay here? Because I've asked you, will you stay here on your face before me in intercession? That's Kami, folks. And that's what the enemy attacks. It doesn't say that he attacks the Hesteme, even though I know there are scriptures that talked about and Hesteme. I know, I know that. We've written on it. We've studied it. The enemy fights there. And I know he comes against the Tetheme. Because he understands that principle. But what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, is that when a door is opened by God, the adversary that comes is to attack your devotion to the Kami. And that's something that we can't ignore. Because that's what the enemy recognizes is kind of like your foundation. It's kind of like your base in the, in the structure. Um, it's the stone the builders rejected. So, the three pillars of Greek society, Kami, Tetheme, and Histeme. In that order, God trained us and for some divine reason at this point doors are beginning to open fruitfulness is beginning to open and the spirit says let me talk to you about this entire principle from this perspective and show you how important this is. You know, it might even be argued that this is how Jesus was developed on earth. He accepted the calling of God, the Father, the Kami. I've come to do your will. I'm going to earth. I'm willing to be 
your son here. And I'm going to depict what it means to be a son. And I'm going to teach people, if they'll listen, my disciples, how to function in the tetheme of who God wants you to be. And every person's different. What is it? What is that to thee? Peter says, what are you going to do with this guy over here that was had his head on your chest at the the last supper, supper. I, I've seen the pic. I was there, but I, I see that picture and I remember that. Just joking. What is that to thee? Jesus says. You, you be what you're called to be. Who you are, Peter. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Those three measures of being the rock from babies to the growing ones to the sheep to then the the established mature ones you be that peter paul you be this paul was set for the defense of the gospel to speak about the these wonderful things that we've learned through the new testament by the inspiration of the spirit peter says uh, you know, we accept what our brother Paul reads, although a lot of it's hard to understand, but we accept it. Peter was not called to be the great theologian of the New Testament era. Paul and Apollos and others were, but not to say Peter was dumb. I'm not saying that. But be who you're supposed to be. And then, so Jesus developed this, but, but then came the cross. The histeme that was at the end. When he said, it is finished, that meant a lot of things, the sacrifice and all the other things we've been blessed to study, but maybe these three pillars of the ecclesia were finished, last of which was with the histeme, the cross, the stake of ownership in the histeme. I've come to do your will, I've come to show you the Father, you sons, you be developed in what God has given you, and now the histeme. Do you see that? And from that, then, the ecclesia could be. This is wonderful. But once again, you know, we've seen the enemy attack the, the Kami. We've seen over the year, past few years, we've seen this for many decades, a couple of decades now, but we've seen over the past few years an anticipation of what the Spirit is doing now. Individuals who have just abandoned their post. I mean, key, elect people who said, you know, this isn't for me. There's another way. I'm going to pull up roots. I'm going to abandon my place. I'm going to abandon what God has called me to be. And I'm going to say God has called me to, to do something else which is a bunch of baloney. That's not a Greek word, so that's not all Greek to you. You know what baloney means in this relegation. But the point, though, is, is the enemy is still attacking the Kami. You know, it's interesting he doesn't really attack the, the Tetheme because you'll not escape that. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, it's going to be staring you in the face. 
when you're judged by God, the, the first thing he's going to judge is, what have you done with who I made you to be? And then also, what have you done with the assignment I've given you? And what have you done with the empowerment I've given you? What have you done with your interaction with the righteous? You know, sometimes when I was in the pastoral realm with the general church, they would always try to have fellowship times. They would want to get the pastors together. And I understand that. But it really wasn't. And I can say this from, maybe this is different where you were, and I know some of you have such a fanciful view of what the, the, the movement you came out of really was. But I was among hundreds of pastors for many, many years, and there were some good godly men. I remember God gave me one of the most wonderful men in the history of the church, I believe, to be my mentor. And that was Brother H.C. Noah, Hal Noah, who pastored the great Oak Cliff Assembly of God for many, many years. He was like a father to me, very kind-hearted, very loving. He, he ordained me. He married my wife and I. Just the wonderful man. I thank God for that. He was the most humble man you would you would ever meet. It, it was never about him. It was always about the Lord and about you. I always appreciate that. So there are good godly men and women. But most of the time during these fellowship times, which are supposed to be gatherings of, of righteous armor, they talked more about hunting and fishing, the size of your church, how much money you made, what kind of car you drove. That was the righteous armor discussion. You went away from there feeling almost soiled. I would come home from those meetings. And I, would, I wouldn't say this in, uh, in front of my children, which is probably why they're, they're godly women now. But every now and then I would talk to my wife and say, gosh, I just hate being at these meetings. It's like a, it's like a who has the most toys kind of a gathering. It's just is true. It's just true. So when I say the ecclesia, the gathering of the people, I don't mean just getting together, sitting around a table with people having that kind of discussion. You want to be around people who are devoted to what God has called you to. No matter what it looks like in the natural, are you being successful and faithful? I remember Billy Graham used to say, when people would say, oh, Brother Graham, you, you've got quite a what, a... what treasures must be laid up for you? You've preached the gospel around the world. You've spoken to... Tens of thousands of people in major cities all across the globe for years and years have done this. How many people came up to the, the altar just as I am playing uh, to give their life to the Lord? 
And Billy Graham would say over and over again, my reward is going to be just the same as the person who's called to clean the church. And they're faithful every week to be to serve as a janitor there. My reward is going to be just the same as somebody who was faithful to pray the modern-day Annas, Simeons, who come. I would hear that, and, and I think, <clears throat> that's a phenomenal thing of humility. I truly believe that what he said was true, and I believe he meant it. But will you be what God has called you to be? Saints, will you pray? Will you pray like you used to or more than you used to? Will you show up? That's what the enemy attacks. To take you out of the Kami. Because somehow... He knows that that is what initiated the door. And in the timing of God, that circle of the principle of how God moves is dependent upon the Kami being functional. You'll never get away from who God's called you to be. I don't know how some people in the cool dark of the early morning live with themselves. People who were called to intercede. People who tasted the powers of the, of the world to come and moved in the dynamic of the Spirit understood pneumatikos principles from the scripture and you just shut off your AWOL I don't I don't I don't know how I don't know how you can live that way so the three pillars of Greek society were the Kami the Tetheme and the Histeme that formed the basis of the ecclesia, which is the basis of, of what democracy should be. The same pattern that the New Testament scripture shows is the operative nature, nature of the kingdom and what the church should be. And incidentally, it's the way God developed us as saints. So I come back to ask this question at the end of this broadcast. How's your Kami? How are you doing? Are you as committed to the place, to the assignment God has given you? Your development from God as an individual will happen as you serve. It's not about works. It's about the Father's business. Why are you born again? To know the Father. 
That's what Jesus said, to be redeemed to him. What are you supposed to do when you know the Father? When you go to the throne of grace, what's God talked to you about at the right hand? Oh, how sweet you are. Oh, you sweet little thing. I love you so much. Here, let me blow the breath of my spirit on the hairs in the back of your neck so they stand upright. No, he's talking to you about faith, what he wants from you. And from that point of service, you then understand the kingdom. Yes, it's about partnering with God, but unless you're willing to accept his placement, his strategic setting, and be faithful there, you won't learn much. How would you? It would just all be theoretical. It wouldn't be practical. It wouldn't be applicable. And mostly, though, you wouldn't be serving where the Father needs you. Find a, find a job and do it. The best ability is availability. You've heard these kinds of things. How do you want to develop? I, I remember when I worked that one summer during college at Jones and Lachlan Steel, down there on the banks of Monongahela River in Pittsburgh. My father, because he was a union member, got me into that job, and I'm so grateful for that. Made good money. My dad gave me his clothes. He had a lot of them over the, you imagine, 34 years. He had a lot of old, well-worn mill clothes, helmet, all kinds of stuff. So I didn't wear the newbie stuff. I wore that. And when they were given assignments to all us college kids, the foreman would come and say, what are you doing in this line? And I said, I'm here for the college program. My father has been a union member for over 30 years. These are his clothes. Foreman would say, you come with me. And I started doing the jobs that that foreman needed to have done. And because of that, I had favor. Because he saw me do those jobs. He would put me in primo locations. This was the favor of the Lord. I know that. But it kept me from shoveling ditches and cleaning out nasty stuff, which was mill residue. I was grateful for that. But my willingness to do what that man said to do gave me promotion. So, how does that affect where you are? God has called you to be a son, but he puts you in a position, and he wants you to serve. And when you serve, you're faithful in the small things, you're made ruler. It's all about you being faithful in the place where God has called you, to be about the Father's business and to serve. The greatest among you be the servant of all. That's Kami, folks. Are you still willing to do that? Some people stop because they don't think they're moving up the ladder fast enough. Some people stop because some other dog and pony show down the road is more appealing. Some people stop because they become jealous of what the next guy's doing. The enemy knows all those things. 
he attacks the Kami. The three pillars of our development, the Kami, the Theme, the Histeme. That's how Jesus developed. That's how you're developed. That's how the church is developed. And so let's grasp this bit of understanding and let's, uh, let's take a good look at if we're serving as we should because through that then the kingdom begins to grow and through that we are developed. That seed of our identity finds its place. I know I'm getting a little overtime here, but didn't we say from the very beginning that when we started to serve as an intercessor, that activated what giftings God put in us, our seer's giftings and all the other types of things that God sowed into us as an individual, but it came about because we began to serve as an intercessor. Isn't that true? Let's be faithful. A great and effectual door is in front of us. It's happening right now. Where is the enemy attacking? The Kami. Your faithfulness in the place that God has called you to serve. So, God bless all of you. Thank you for joining today. Thank you for tolerating the Greek discussion at the beginning but you're Nematikos people. This should be your language. Keep studying, but for heaven's sake, keep praying and be faithful. Be faithful in the place God has called you. Be faithful in who you're supposed to be in that place and be faithful through the power of the cross as sons to manifest the authority that the cross of Christ gave you. That's the base of the intercession intercessor. That's the base of the saints. That's the base of the ecclesia. And the enemy knows it. Question is, do you know it? God bless you all. Thanks so much. Goodbye.